Hello, everyone. Uh, welcome to episode six, episode five, episode six. I think it's six. Yeah. It's a joy, so I have no idea what number we're on. my birthday in three months. (laughs) No big deal. Not that I'm counting or anything. Uh, It's May 15th. I'm a Taurus, just in case you wanted to know. You know what? I feel like we're all dating anyway, so we may as well get that one out of the way. Further than that, I'm going to do the thing that, like, women are told often not to do. I'm going to tell you how old I am. I'm going to be 30. The big 3-0. I feel no uh, distinctive type of way about it, but a thing that I've noticed as I approach 30 and I have no idea if this is just me or if it happens to everyone. I've just been, like, sucked down a nostalgia spiral. Art has never super been colored by nostalgia for me. Sometimes I like stuff and I like it really intensely and I burn it out and then I don't go back to it. Like, there's very few records or books that I will go back to religiously. Maybe it's because I'm a prolific reader and I listen to a lot of music Once I'm done with something, it will always have, like, a place in my heart, but I don't necessarily feel the need to revisit it. That has not been the case recently. I can't quite remember what exactly it was. No, you know what it was? It was the rapper Jungle Pussy, who you should all listen to and follow her on Twitter because she's fucking amazing. Women rapping, first of all, the best. Second of all, Jungle Pussy is just a fucking delight. She was tweeting about metric. And I was like, oh man. When I was 18, I used to drive around in my 94 two-door purple Cavalier disc man hooked up to the tape deck of my car. Yes, I'm very old. Some of you have no idea what I'm talking about. There was like a time in the early 2000s where like Canadian indie rock was extremely popping off like the arcade fire omg there's all this crazy music coming out of like toronto montreal and whatever so like it was this sort of cool time and i was super into it i don't know like i was cool i'm so i'm so cool right i'm cool i'm a cool mom right um that just like put me on a bit of a spiral <laughs> into like stuff i was listening to in my late teens when i was in university i recently have been listening to <laughs> That Gorillaz album, Demon Days, I'm like looking at him and I need him to like nod at me. (laughs) Yes, Lauren, you're not insane. The things you used to like are good. Because also I think there's a sense of embarrassment, right? Like, I grew up listening to music and then men are always sort of like the gatekeepers of those like music scenes. And so it had never, ever occurred to me that I could like be creating art. It was always like, you have to be a fan of this art. So like when I discovered Metric, I was like, oh, holy shit. Like here's this woman who's like, you know, she's not Mariah carrying that shit. She's like in an indie band. Yeah, it was like incredible to hear this woman's voice coming through my fucking tinny car speakers. Now I'm like, that shit's corny. Why does Metric get all this grant money? (laughs) Um, But man, like, I get why it spoke to me at that age. 
There's a level of like personal embarrassment that comes along with nostalgia that like makes me uncomfortable. I feel like I'm trying to get more comfortable with like questioning, not even questioning, with accepting that taste is fluid. It also has nothing to do with being cool. In the words of Ray Shremmerd, I like what I like. In 10 years, you probably won't like the same shit. And if you do, it'll probably mean something different to you. That's just art's relationship with time and with memory and with nostalgia, which is cool and fascinating. And I'm sort of into it right now. I'm into it. I'm delving back into old Lauren. Thanks, as always, for listening to me ramble. And now, let's get into the meat of things, a.k.a. this episode, uh, where Jillian and I have a really cool, interesting conversation about art. So we're on a real, we're on a real theme here, you guys. We've really themed this podcast for once. All right, enjoy. Yo, how are you? How's your day been going? It's been good. It's been good. Just getting back to Norway. I said I had a friend over this weekend. Yeah. So, um, getting back into the flow. Yeah. Yeah. That's hard when people. I mean, I love having people over. I'm an innately social person, mm-hmm. but. Sometimes you're like, it's weird to get your house back to the like, hey, yeah. it's just me here now. Mm-hmm. Well, I love having guests. And uh, it was like when I lived in New York, there was no space to ever have one. You know, like you're like climbing over their head to yeah. like go to the bathroom in the middle of the night. And so now it's like a novel yeah. thing to be able to like host somebody. Yeah. Really like hosting. So Yeah. When I, my friend that I stayed with in New York this summer, before I came, I was like, I can sleep on your couch. And she was like, no, you will, in fact, have to sleep with me. In my yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> in Toronto, little, we can have living rooms. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to become much better friends yeah. by the end of this like, weekend. Yeah, having a real babysitter's club moment, you know what I mean? <laughs> um, you just moved back to Toronto, though, right? Like, Yeah, well, recently. I never lived in Toronto. Oh. I'm from Calgary. Oh, um, yes. Uh, Cowtown. Yeah. Uh, and then I, I had gone to school at Queens in mm-hmm. Kingston for a year. Wow. So I was like kind of getting to know Toronto then and in and out mm-hmm. and like stuff like that and hang out with my cousin Rico who lived there and she's like Toronto lady. Mm-hmm. But then I went back to Calgary f- to finish my art degree or whatever and then we lived in Edmonton for two years and then went to New York and so like I actually never lived in Toronto oh, before. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah, I just, I just always liked it. Yeah, I <laughs> yeah. like it here too. I mean, I don't want this to sound rude. I surprisingly liked Edmonton when I went there. I loved living in Edmonton. It's like, it so it's interesting, right? Like there's you know, such a nice arts community. Yeah, it was funny because like growing up in Calgary, I was always like, it's very conservative. Mm-hmm. Well, it was then. Now yeah. I'm like, I don't know. I'll bets are off. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like something, something's changed. I guess. And I just like my mind exploded when yeah. like the NDP was elected. But when I moved to Edmonton from Calgary, I was like, oh wow, it's like a little bit more crunchy, mm-hmm. granola, like artsy fartsy, yeah. um, mom and pop kind of thing. Yeah. Like I love living there. Actually, my first comic I ever made ever was about Edmonton Aww. and like living in Edmonton because it was, you know, it's like kind of growing up at that time too and like yeah. doing things for myself for the first time. And so I just thought it was like such a strange 
place. I just like wanted to. I made this like stream of consciousness comic. About, it's called City of Champions. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. And it was just like about Edmonton. It was very like sort of abstract mm-hmm. stream of consciousness thing, like kind of artsy, artsy. And uh, I find that like all my comics though have retained that sense of place, mm-hmm. like a really specific place or vernacular or whatever. Yeah, I like that. I feel like you would think that it was maybe more easy to do in illustration or like mm. artwork or whatever. But I actually. I think it is a real skill to deliver a sense of place, especially when you're doing, if you're doing like a three panel or six panel comic Mm -hmm. to like, you don't have one big page to like spread your wings on. You sort of have to like get the point across and. Yeah, the sense of place is always really strong. And I think like, it does end up being a little sprawly. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like I'm thinking about the last book I did with my cousin this one summer was like a real, I really want to have that sensory Mm -hmm. experience of being in, you know, cottage country. Mm -hmm. And then I think with my webcomic, I'm like name dropping all my crap already, but you (laughs) know, it was like, but it was, it was a relief to have a very anonymous place. You know, you were like, you never draw a background ever. Yeah. You know, so it was like kind of a push and pull. But I think even your webcomic, there's still like a sense of, you know where you are in it. Because you already have been in those um, magic of fantasy. Like, you know that environment. That's, like, kind of the funny thing about kind of playing off of cliches. You already know. You can already fill in that environment because you know you've seen so many movies or read so many books that kind of have done that work for me. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And so, like, when I look at it, it's Mm -hmm. like I can fill in the blanks and then someone else looks at it and they can fill in the blanks in the different way, like, whatever... Hogwarts or whatever looked like to you. Sure, sure. And yeah, that's the the really simplified drawing style like that. It's uh becomes more symbolic, mm-hmm. you know, and then you are kind of making that connection to whatever details you're bringing to it. Yeah, I feel like I read something in an interview with you where you talked about the webcomic being interesting because you were sort of constrained by that Tumblr, uh, how they like force you to sort of put the work in there. I mean, I sometimes think when you're creating, like constraining is almost good. Like I'm a comedian. Mm -hmm. So sometimes when I write jokes, I like to like force myself into this narrow little. Yeah. And then, so, and then you sort of like can see things that you wouldn't see if you're maybe looking at it from a really high oh level. God. I think like absolute freedom is like a weird curse, yeah. <laughs> you know, because there's nothing to sort of lean up against, you know, yeah. and like then you kind of have to create in a weird way your own constraints. Whereas if like you're constrained by a format, they're already kind of there. Um, yeah, it was interesting because Tumblr almost feels like this dying platform mm-hmm. now, but it was so instrumental and in, like the format of it and just the nature of it really shaped that project, mm-hmm. <laughs> even like from the pixel size of a dashboard, yeah. which would determine how big the font <laughs> could be um, or when Tumblr was most active or who was reading Tumblr, actually. It's funny because it's like all the books I've done have been ostensibly YA books, mm-hmm. uh, comics, that is. But Super Mutant Magic Academy is the one book that I hear teenagers actually read, as mm-hmm. opposed to like thirty-year-olds that want to revisit yeah. their childhood. <laughs> <laughs> uh, which is cool because, but it has to be someone that you know. It was like born on Tumblr, and then it was 
the feedback I was getting was from probably a younger audience, yeah. like a Tumblr user, you know? <laughs> Yo, that's so fascinating. Yeah. Especially like, I mean, I'm familiar with Skim, mm. but I read that book when I was in my mid-20s. Sure. And I gave it to my younger sister who was a teenager sure. at the time. But like... I feel like YA is so weird how they, like, it doesn't feel like it's aggressively mm-hmm. marketed to teens. Oh, yeah. And I, it wasn't conceived at that either. Yeah. And I never, I mean, fuck, I never read YA when I was actually of the age to be reading it. If you don't I'm it. 29. For sure. Yeah. Uh, like, I'm not even sure that the genre existed when, yeah. you know, like, I was in that, I'm like 34. So it's like, I'm not even sure that genre kind of existed and it. It is a real thing, but it is also a market, just like graphic novel. It's yeah. like sort of like a shorthand, and it's like a marketing thing um, that has become real because yeah. we've willed it to become real. But Skim existed as a 25-page floppy mm-hmm. put out by Emily Polweary yep. and Kiss Machine, which is just like a little Toronto zine. And, yep. of course, the Canada Council or Ontario, you know, we got, like, government money to, like, make this little thing. And and we were like, oh, but this is, like, for mature readers only. This is, like, <laughs> this is some, like really tough concepts and stuff and like and swearing and and smoking and it really was actually just the head of Groundwood Patsy Aldana at the time who like made the sketch like oh no this actually is a YA book yeah so it was not our intention it was more somebody else making that connection for us yeah, that's and it's so- just it's so funny you're right I mean that book and then this one summer I mostly talked to people in their 20s mm-hmm. and or 30s or above that too like I actually haven't talked to that many teenagers that read that book. And for the most part, I don't know what teenager would be interested in, like, <laughs> in like a book about sort of, you know, um, some of the topics in this one summer. But, you know, who am I to say? I'm just whoever finds it and it connects with them, I'm happy. <laughs> I mean, I so. think there's an interesting level to because you started the Tumblr like on your own. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't like you had like a publisher connected to it. There wasn't another team of people like doing that marketing for sure. you. So it's like incredibly organic mm-hmm. in one way. And then in the other sense it's like I don't know, I don't I maybe don't know where I'm totally like going with this, but it feels interesting to me that like teens just find what they want to find and what's cool to them and it's yeah. like you can't when I was a teenager like to quote Kanye West, you can't tell me, you can tell me nothing. You sure, know what I mean? Sure, sure, sure. Like, sure. I wasn't here to have people be like, well, you're a teen, you'd really like this. I'm yeah. like, I like what I like, you know what I mean? Yeah, we might be biased because we were a certain type of teen. Yeah, I was. <laughs> didn't like to be, like, told <laughs> what to read or whatever. Um, who knows? It's like, I just don't ever try to think about it too much. I just try yeah, to make stuff. Yeah. yeah, like, and you actually can. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, some people are completely strategic about it, mm-hmm. and they're, like, working writers, and they're, like, super into that um, demo and culture and everything mm-hmm. like that. And that's cool, too, whatever. Um, myself, I think, like, I just... It's worked so far just, mm-hmm. like, <laughs> doing yeah. what I kind of am interested in. And then, thankfully, my brain is mainstream enough that it kind of has connected with people. But who knows? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. who knows in, like, 20 years whether anything I find interesting will resonate? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, I think at the end of the day, like, you can't make art within a vacuum, but mm-hmm. you also can't make art only for an audience. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm talking about that from the perspective 
of someone who makes art and then immediately gets on stage sure. and like says it to people and mm-hmm. like feels bad if people don't like it. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I don't know. I might be talking out my ass on some level here, but when you're telling a joke, say, and it doesn't work, um, that can't automatically disqualify that joke. No, for you. no, no, no. Like you must have a feeling inside that like, no, there's something there. Maybe I didn't. I don't I'm talking out my ass now, deliver it right, or like maybe this is the wrong crowd, or yeah. I, it's sequenced wrong or something. I don't know. Like, yeah, I mean, it's all of that, right? Sure. Like, you take all of that into consideration as like someone who makes stuff. Sometimes it's easy to like be like, well, you didn't like it because you don't get it. That's right. But like, that's insane. So people just don't understand. Yeah, like, you don't yeah, get my yeah, art. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, you do need a degree of like fuck you-ness. Yeah. And I think like that just is sort of tangible in mm-hmm. in work. Um, there is like a little bit of stubbornness in the artist that's like, yeah. well, you don't get this now. Yeah, and I think having faith in your own work is important and mm-hmm. having faith in your own abilities mm-hmm. to do the thing that you th- you are pretty sure you know how to do. Yeah. You can do it, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's like it's funny because I've taught for a long time too and a lot of, there's just like a often a frustration gap mm-hmm. where people have something to say. They just don't have the skills yet to say it, mm-hmm. you know? Um Maybe that's that Ira Glass thing, too. Your taste level is higher than your ability. <laughs> um, but I think that's true, actually. You know, it's like I'm trying to communicate this thing and I'm trying to make this thing, but I just don't have the skills to pull that off yet in the way that I want. But hopefully, if you're an artist, you have that star in mind mm-hmm. always. You're just working towards being yeah. able to express it. I'm definitely one of those people who's like, I don't like a learning curve. Mm. So like, I've always found that stage really frustrating where you're just like, I have a thing, I have this thing in me and I like need to get it out. But it's like how and, Mm -hmm. you know, why and what are you doing to get it out? And it's like, I don't like being bad at stuff. I don't like it to be messy. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, I mean, it's not messiness is probably a bad word because I do like when stuff is messy. But like the sandbox. Yeah. Part of the thing. Yeah. You know, I like aspects of it as long as nobody's watching. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah, I fucking know? hate people watching me fuck up. That's yeah, but I've always, uh, actually, my first blogging was like a sketch blog when, mm-hmm. you know, that, that seemed interesting in 2006. <laughs> and um, putting stuff. time, man. <laughs> yeah, like putting stuff out and working things out publicly. Now I don't do that necessarily. Just, I don't know. It's not that it's. That I feel more protective of that incubation process, and or maybe it just feels played out. But yeah, I don't know. Maybe maybe just like the nature of blogging has changed too. But I don't feel the need to work things out in public. Mm-hmm. I do still like kind of dropping stuff on people's heads. Yeah, yeah. Now. <laughs> And it's funny because, like, I think I like to work in a similar way, mm. but I am a bit obsessed with other people's processes. Mm. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like, I love <laughs> – like, I'm such an asshole. Sure. Um, I remember who – oh, God. Now I'm flaking on the woman's name, but I saw an exhibit at the AGO, like, a couple – maybe five or so years ago okay. that was, like, studio works of uh, – Agnes Martin? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's the one that made the plexiglass or the stuff that she ended up dying from how bad it was to work with or Mm -hmm, whatever. mm -hmm. Um, But the studio works of that kind of stuff or like anything that sort of gets discarded in the process like of other people's art I think is fascinating. No, it's undeniably fascinating. 
But now I feel like the culture is obsessed with creativity mm-hmm. in this like really undefinable way. Mm-hmm. And I approve of it because I think creativity improves people's lives, whether mm-hmm. they're like a professional artist or not. And then on the other hand, I see like the creativity industry yes. now and in like advice economy mm-hmm. along with the creative economy and like... I just don't want to sound bitter about it. It's just so different from mm-hmm. when I started being an illustrator which, and comics person, which was like 13 years ago now, where it's just like, I mean, illustration was for dorks. Yeah. You know what I mean? It was for f- fucking like <laughs> geeks yeah. and dweebs. Um, and so now it's like to see it become a glamorous profession is so strange to me. And with that comes this influx of interest in the profession. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I guess I am just shallow in that it's like, I just wanted to be my little world. Yeah. You know? I, I think that's, <laughs> I, don't know. I don't know. I think that that's, I think that makes so much sense. And I think that a cool part of doing art when you're mm-hmm. first starting out, I think is like the first time someone pays you yeah. money for it. Yeah. Because it like legitimizes what you've decided to do. Yeah. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, now this is like, you know, however many years. And it's like, now this is an industry that's like flooded with money. And it's like, what does that do to it? Yeah. Because then it feels changes like. changes everything. Yeah. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> oh, capitalism. <laughs> no, it's interesting. Even if you just take art schools, you know, it's like I thought yeah. New York art schools for a long time. And like those degrees are over $100,000 US, oh right? And it's like, for learning how to make comics, yeah. <laughs> uh, which nobody has ever purported that to be a lucrative career. You know what I mean? No, like, I, I could not live off of comics, mm. <laughs> not super comfortably anyway. And yeah. like, some people would be probably um, surprised to hear that. They think like, oh, you're like a published person. You have several books. And it's like, no, people, you yeah. know? Um, yeah. And so you have like all this interest in creativity and like, they're just... Now there are, like, all these people that are willing to sort of uh, take advantage of that, too. Yeah, that's so interesting. When you went to school, did you go to, like, ACAD? Yeah, I went to ACAD. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I went to school to be a designer. It's funny because I... I went to Queens because I wanted to get an art history mm-hmm. art thing because I was like, well, after I'm done, I can work in a museum. And that's a job. Yeah. That's a profession. <laughs> that's like a real job. I don't want my dad to be mad at me. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, oh, man. And then I was like, well, I don't want to do that. I realized I was not a fine artist. Yeah. Like, I'm like, I don't have what these kids have. I don't have I don't have like a I don't have anything to say in the way that these kids seem to have things to say. I just want to draw things that look nice. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) So I was like, well, then I'll become a graphic designer because that's like kind of, that's still a job. You can get a little title and uh, my dad won't be mad at me. (laughs) And and not that he'd be mad. He just wanted me to have a job and not ask for money. Literally, don't ask me for money. Yeah, you'll my Um, name. So So then I was like, well, okay, I'll save money if I live at home. So let's Mm -hmm. go back to living in Calgary and get this graphic design degree. I had no idea that the program was half illustration, half design. And of course, I was much better at the illustration Mm -hmm. than the design side of it. Um, And so I gravitated 
illustration that was like majorly conflicting Mm -hmm. because I was like, God, like I just keep on like going more to this fringe Mm -hmm. of employment opportunities or something, you know, (laughs) like, um, then I was scouted by a video game company. So I worked at video games and that's why I was in Edmonton for two years. And then eventually I was like freelancing all the time, like Mm -hmm. moonlighting and then eventually started being a freelance illustrator, but it was such a small creep Mm -hmm. towards having the self-confidence to believe I could do it or um, I guess just unplug from that idea that oh if I don't have a job like a real job that somebody's paying me then uh, yeah I'm gonna be I'm gonna be living in danger I'm gonna be in danger I'm gonna be subject to the whims of the world and you realize of course then like the world economy collapses and we're all subject (laughs) to the whims of the world anyway you know what I mean yeah I know for real Um, my best friend went to school for illustration Mm -hmm. and she graduated like probably five or so years ago now but I remember her always saying like it's funny that you say you like went to the fine art side of thing and you were like you didn't have as much to say as those kids because she was always just like there's nothing worse than listening to fine art students talk about their own art yeah <laughs> she's very much of the same yeah. mind she's like I just like I have these like ideas and I want to draw these mm-hmm. like things and little comics and yeah. like all these things that like are aesthetically pleasing yeah. and like I don't know like she designed this tattoo sure. and like her work is not like simplistic is not the word I'd use to describe it but yeah she was always like I don't want to tell you what it means. You sure, know I mean? sure. It doesn't matter, you know. At yeah, the end of the it's day, funny because like... it's really cycled around. I guess because I feel like now some of the stuff I do approaches more of an art mm-hmm. <laughs> than um, I would have if I had probably stayed in art school. That's um, fascinating. I feel like I've been bashing art school so far in this interview, <laughs> and it's it's absolutely not that. It, I I couldn't have gotten to where I am without mm-hmm. going to art school. Um, it's just that I think there's more to take into consideration now um, when degrees are that expensive. Mm-hmm. And oh, it's too bad because I think that uh, art school should be a place where you just get to fuck around yeah. for like four years and experiment and not have to feel the pressure to even get anything published, yeah. let alone become a superstar yeah. in illustration um, before you graduate. Yeah, I know. Um, and because I certainly wasn't, and I'm really, really glad that I was never told to get a style or anything like that. Yeah. And, um, but I also paid $4,000 a yeah. I year. Mean, <laughs> it's different out here in Canada yeah. also. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I have an English degree. So mm-hmm. I feel like I definitely had a degree that was just like, for me, it was like, read these books and write some shit about them. Mm-hmm. And then like, go to class and talk to people. And I was like, this is my ideal situation. Yeah, yeah, you're like, I'm good with that. Yeah, but it did not prepare me for the real world at yeah, all. Yeah, well, when uh, design and illustration used to, and this was actually because of my program at ACAD was such an old school program. That's not the norm. I mean, ACAD is literally attached to the Southern uh, Alberta Institute of Technology yeah. where they learn how to draft for pipelines. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. it was much more tied to a trade because you would be illustrating vacuum cleaners yeah. with <laughs> markers. <Yeah. laughs> um, and now uh, it is much more akin to uh, a creative writing degree. Yeah. Which is nothing wrong with a creative writing degree. Yeah. You know what I mean? But a creative writing degree is a creative writing degree. Yeah. And it's not necessarily this trade degree where you're funneled into industry in the same way. Yeah. Yeah. You know? No, my youngest sister is actually in school for illustration mm-hmm. right now. And she's always doing these like sort of immense projects that I'm like, I mean, I have no idea. Sure. I'm, like, extremely bad at art. Um, <laughs> my, like, dream, my secret dream is that I wish I was, like, an amazing watercolor artist and I could have just gone to art school. Like, I feel like that's, like, I would have loved in that. In your soul. But in my soul, yeah. I'm like, yeah. give me a beret. Like, 
like an you know? impressionistic. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The, yeah. Like <laughs> fucking throw me in Paris. Sure. Just, like put me on the, the river. I'm just it's never like, too late to follow yeah. your dreams. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Oh, they would be the worst paintings of all time. <laughs> They'd be so. But do they make your heart sing? Oh, buddy. Yes. <laughs> There's just like, it would just be like, splotches of watercolor and then I'd go in with a pen and like draw sure. a picture of a cat face. I sure. Know, is that, like, sure. Is that Why art? not? Is that art? The question. <laughs> <laughs> the, the only difference is if people want to pay you for it. And that, but that's a whole different question. Oh man. <laughs> it's crazy like I do have friends who are a part of that like fine art world and mm-hmm. like when they have talked to me about like like what art is worth mm-hmm. it's so crazy to me like that you can like plateau because like your style becomes famous and that's what people sure. want to buy stuff from sure. you. And so you sort of have to make that or then like you have something and then you sell it for a couple grand and then in five years that shit is worth like 50 grand but yeah. you never see any of that money. Like Yeah, there's this art and then there's the industry, you know, yeah. and like the market and that and actually the myth of the artist was always very uh, mysterious to me. Mm-hmm. I actually, you know, I was like very fascinated by it, but it's like, I'm really glad I don't have to think about that. (laughs) I literally get paid in exchange for, (laughs) you know, like, um, make this thing great. We printed it on a book cover. Um, I still really love the idea of application, Mm -hmm. you know, um, making stuff for things that people will see or encounter in their day or um, incidentally or Mm -hmm. um, the idea of catching somebody's eye. It was just so quaint, you know, but um, I actually love that challenge and, and the world is very cluttered with images, but um, ideally, you're like not in a self-building. You're like, I'm making that, you know, a little bit yeah. improved. A little prettier. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or intriguing or or whatever. You know? Well, little stuff like that makes me happy. And like weird little like smart and fun like product design things. Mm-hmm. I always think um, like, you know, when you go and you get like a coffee from McDonald's mm-hmm. and they have those like loyalty cards, but they're like attached they're like a perforated thing you peel off sure. you peel it off but the cup's still intact sure. like, that to me I was like who did that <laughs> that's so cool I was like I'm a, a dummy I never you just appreciated th- design yeah <laughs> And I was like, who's the product designer on this? Like, I want to meet them and be like, you fucking nailed it. Yeah. I'm loving it. You know you what I'm saying? Where's I... our McDonald's money? <laughs> Well, I've noticed on my viewings of recent episodes of Antiques Roadshow sure. is that... Um, I thought you were going to say Broad City, no. where she's an illustrator, a down-and-out illustrator. No. I was not expecting... It's Antiques Roadshow. I'm so sorry. <laughs> hey, man. I like that. I, I'm like a PBS, like... Oh, fuck. I love aficionado. PBS. Yeah. Those documentaries that are like 54 minutes yeah. of... Still photos panned yeah. over. And then they're like interviewing someone who has like a PhD in something that I'm like, you could get a PhD in that? Yeah, sure. Who knew? Sure. I watched one recently about um the like Secret Service, like MI5. I love that and shit. It, yeah, 54 minutes, just bang it out. Entire yeah. history of MI5. I'm here for that. <laughs> uh, have you watched, I'm not sure if it's even BBC, but it's like, they play it on PBS. It's like the castles of... Like, yeah, you're shaking. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I love like it. The castles of, like, Henry VIII. The castle oh, of high... Man. The secret secrets of... And oh, then it's, like, yeah. English castle. I fucking here. love the yeah. Tudors, man. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, I love that era yeah. of, like... Yeah. Fuck Henry VIII and, like, all of his kids and... 
That shit is so funny. It's like house full of secrets, though. Yeah. They're like, oh, here's where we keep all the toot and common yeah. stuff. It's like it's in the smoking room yeah. underneath the floorboards. <laughs> like, it's like, yes. Yeah, because the one about the Downton Abbey house. Yes. High, High clerk. <laughs> yes, you're like one of the only people I've ever met that's like, yes, I have watched these. I think I've actually seen that twice. Oh, yeah. I've, I may or may not have watched it multiple times. Um, do you know what's funny, though, is... <laughs> I live with my sister, and I was telling her and my best friend, I was like, yo, like, these sick, they're all on Netflix. Sure. Like, yeah. they're so good. And then I, I was out somewhere, and I came home, and the two of them were hanging out. Mm-hmm. And they, like, both of them are uh, uh, artists and sure. a pro- my sister's a programmer. And so they're working on the respective things, like watching something. And they put one of the documentaries yeah. on. But they picked one about the Catholic Church. <laughs> sure. So I walked in and sat down and, like, started rolling a joint or something. Yeah. And I, like, all of a sudden looked, and I was like, have you guys just been sitting here, yeah. like, li- like not yeah. listening, but listening to this thing that was totally about, like, pedophilia within yeah, the Catholic yeah, Church? Yeah, yeah, I was yeah, like, yeah. how long have you been yeah, torturing yeah, yourself yeah, with this? Yeah. I was like, you should have just done the Downton Abbey Sure. <laughs> sure. Um, yeah, I was about to pull the plug on Netflix, uh, and then I noticed they, like, filled it with PBS stuff. Oh, and I'm yeah. like, all right. They got You've some, saved yourself another month. Um, I did almost, <laughs> for some reason I could never explain to you, almost start watching the Ken Burns documentary about Prohibition. No, 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 no. You have to watch that one because it's amazing. Okay. I was like, no, I keep I'm going serious. and reading it being like, mm. No, no, no. Because it's interesting because like the Prohibition, oh God, I'm going to fucking like totally explain this wrong and you're going to get angry mail. But um, it ties into like the no feminist movement. <laughs> Yeah, um, the oh, fa- really? yeah, and like the suffragettes and like trying to curb oh, abuse yeah. and yeah, stuff yeah, yeah, yeah. and like and like so it was like the temperance movement and like the suffragettes were like tied together and it's like really really interesting. Ken Burns, you did it again. <laughs> I, I love Ken Burns, man. It's like a slow burn. Yeah, <laughs> I like that shit because like sometimes and I mean I love that TV is like this, but sometimes it's just like so much. There's so much plot mm-hmm. happening. I feel like someone's you know like grandma. I'm like okay, who's that? I gotta stop and look someone up. Like I can't remember. Yeah. We gotta go back five minutes. I didn't hear what that person said. But like yeah, those documentaries and like I Ken know. Burns are really laying it out as slow as possible for I'm you. I'm such a like public radio nerd yeah. like i have been listening to the cbc since i was like you know in my early teens yeah, probably same. like it's like really oh, oh did you were you listening to the radio when like they would have like brave new waves on and like nightlines it was like overnight radio shows on the cbc that would just be like crazy electronic music oh no and, like David Wisdom would just play his insane collection of like Hawaiian music from the 40s and then like Toronto punk rock. And then one of the listeners would send in a weird novelty song. Oh it was God, like I'm obsessed with that. That's it was so Canadian, I feel so like. So amazing. You should look up like Nightlines because they some people have like uploaded some like shows to YouTube. And I'm just like, that so has had to inform my taste because that's like I listened to that all the time when I was like a teenager. It's that's, so cool. It's just like this motley mishmash. You know, weird so, shit. <laughs> yeah, because for me, the CBC, like, when I was, like, really little, my dad was a truck driver. Mm-hmm. And so he, like, knew mm. every province or every time you left a city, he knew the, like, CBC. Yeah. I come from, like, a CBC household. Like, there's nothing more th- soothing to me than the uh, the Barbara Bud Carol off, yes. like, the flutes at the end yeah. of that. What's the joke? <laughs> yeah. It's not a here um, and now. It it's happens. as it happens. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and recently, I was on DNTO. What? Because I used to have a... 
I used to have a podcast about Drake uh, oh my with God. my friend Rabia, who now lives in oh, New York. Oh, did you see that Drake shouted out? So can I did, and then I was like, I think that also means <laughs> yeah. he shouted out. Yeah, me. yeah, you're like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure. Yeah, well, he was Association. like, people that I know and people uh, that I don't know uh, have huh? yet to meet, and uh-huh. I was like, that's me. Yeah, it's yeah. me, Aubrey. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I was like, oh my god, I get to meet Sukian. She is like a big idol. Yeah. For me, like, yeah. do you know how much I watched The Wedge? Oh my like, god, she was the coolest girl. In the world. And as, like, an Asian girl, like, in, like, I grew up uh, in suburbs of Calgary. Like, especially when I was, like, younger, I was, like, the only Asian kid except for, like, three other kids yeah. in my school. So it was just, like, this she's just so cool and, like, so weird and, she's like, so... but but happy seeming. Yeah. Like, not, not, like, bitter and, like, alt yeah. In that way. Like oh my God, she's so effortless. Yes. Yeah. She's like, yeah. even just meeting her, she was like yeah. so friendly. We had like yeah. the cutest conversation. Yeah. She casually, halfway through the conversation, told me this hilarious story about interviewing Led Zeppelin once, mm-hmm. where I was just like, that's yeah. such a cool, yeah. like, weird story to have in yeah, your yeah. back pocket. You yeah, know yeah. what I mean? And But she was just like effortlessly cool in a way that I was like, I hope I'm like you someday. <laughs> Just to loop it back to Toronto, but like being in Calgary and then having much music, which was we all watched much music because yeah. it was much music was different <laughs> in the nineties than it is now. Oh yeah, it was but it was shit. just like, oh my god, like it's just so much more diverse. And you had like Electric Circus and like <gasps> what the fuck was on with it's like what? Whoa, That's I s- still YouTube Electric Circus. So soothing. We'll yeah, so like, like the best. <laughs> the first like Jo material for so many yeah. people like. Yeah. <laughs> real um and it was just like wow like toronto is like so mixed and crazy and wonderful like that was my sort of like outsider view of toronto was a lot of times through much music yeah that time i remember being a kid and like my uncle one of my dad's younger brothers lived in toronto for like 30 years and we went to visit him all the time but even just like it was more from like watching much music Mm -hmm. and like getting that like fucking view of queen and john you know what i mean where i was like that's a cool place, and yeah. when I yeah. am old enough and get out of this hick-ass town that <laughs> right. I grew up in, I was right. like, that's where I'm going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, so totally. It felt like a th- when I moved here when I was 24, 25, it felt really like, yeah, I'm doing it. I'm doing the thing that I said I was yeah. going to do when I was nine years old. Sure, you know what I mean? sure, sure. Which was sort of crazy. And I mean, Toronto is so much more than Queen and John. <laughs> Now, is it? no, yeah, yeah. Could no, you imagine, yeah. right? Yes. Like now, imagine? I've walked by because I work. My office is at uh, Queen Espadina, and I will walk down like that part of Queen occasionally, and mm-hmm. I'm always just like, man. <laughs> like, yeah, it's funny. I mean, I obviously haven't lived here long enough, but it's very fleeting. Yeah, <laughs> everything feels very fleeting. But I still have like love for Toronto, but I think it's in a different way than I thought that I would when I was a kid. How so? I mean, Toronto is. A cool city. Mm-hmm. I think cool stuff happens here. Um, I feel very at home here. Mm-hmm. Like I've lived here on my own. Mm-hmm. Like this is a city I've lived in the longest, like by myself as an adult, sure. like yep. without my dad or whatever. Yes. So I mean, I feel like I think I have a bias towards it for that, but just like I don't know. I think you always have a soft spot, like that was Edmonton mm-hmm. for me, where yeah. it's like you're learning. I'm really doing it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, like right? doing it. 
booking a dentist appointment, yeah. you know, or whatever. Um, but uh, uh, it is a very interesting place, and it's it's funny because it's the people that live here don't seem to think so often, which is really quite amusing to me because I have to, as somebody who moved from New York here, it's, I have to constantly explain why. Yeah. So much. So often people <laughs> do the exact opposite, right? Like yeah. I constantly, there's always like a bit of an exodus of people I know being yeah. like, okay, I got a cool job in New York. Like, see you later. Which, and I do believe that every Torontonian should probably live in New York mm-hmm. or the creative Toronto should yeah. probably live in New York so they can just see the other side of it. Yeah. But I not you know it's like my thought process on all of that is evolving. My current thinking is that there's no right place to be. There's mm-hmm. a right place to be for you. Yeah. You know, and that that changes with your own age and your circumstances and and what you need at that time. Yeah. So yeah. Can I ask you why you decided to come to Toronto, sure. like in New York? Uh, well, I got divorced, and I was like. New York was a great place. I'm really glad I lived there, mm-hmm. but I always knew I was going to come back. So yeah. when that happened, I was like, well, your life is totally like yeah. up in the air anyway. You might as well throw this other thing. In the yeah. Mix. So it was timing in that way. And I think it was just, I did feel like I wanted to not change my career, but sort of like refocus my career on like comics and writing. Mm-hmm. And part of that is, economics too you know what I mean um those are inherently less economically (laughs) lucrative things to do and I wanted to live somewhere a little cheaper was actually a big part of it when I lived in New York I felt constant pressure and part of it was probably psychological in that you're in a very like keyed up place Mm -hmm. and everybody else is you know this it's got an incredible energy, right? And mm-hmm. that energy is positive and negative, and mm-hmm. especially if you're creative people where it's like it's all around you. It's like buzzing all the time and people are just striving and achieving and going up this like ladder. And um, that can push you to really great heights. But then I think like at some point it stopped being productive in some way. Mm-hmm. And I think like I never saw how I got to slow down on that upward climb because you have to keep on making money. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and part of it is there's a there's a cultural pressure to constantly be making money, at least in the New York circle that I knew, mm-hmm. and I felt that increasingly claustrophobic. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? So, I really wanted to like pivot and all right, well, if you want to be able to live on less money, it's so much of an artist comes down to economics yeah. and a lot yep. of, in, the, in the grand scheme of things. It's like, hey, you're going to have to make some sacrifices. Yeah. And um, not that moving here was anything but, but it requires some big changes yeah. sometimes, you know. And so um, and I really feel like that that has come to fruition in just the year that I've been here. And it's so ironic that you have to, like, move away yeah. <laughs> from New York to feel more free in some way. I mean, Toronto feels incredibly expensive. Sure. <laughs> but Absolutely. I feel like it's after such New York, a relative... of course, you're like, no way, New York is so expensive. It's just relative. Um, yeah, You totally. know what I mean? Yeah, right? like... absolutely. And it's not cheap. Like, no. It's definitely not cheap, but it is less expensive than my operating oh. costs oh, there. Yeah, I can't uh, even imagine. Yeah. And I say this from a position of privilege in that I did 10 years there, right? Yeah. So um, I built up connections there that yeah. you don't lose necessarily from coming back, right? And now I get paid in American money. Yeah. That's <laughs> ideal. In, and I'm and I'm like, you know, living in Canada. So I say that in full knowledge that I'm, it's not like I'm starting off.
On the comedy thing, I do feel like it slightly mirrors illustration right now and mm-hmm. that it's a thing that is very perfect for the ways that we communicate, yes. you know, at the moment. Mm-hmm. Like, I think the rise of illustration is linked to Instagram, for example. Yeah. And comedy is doing, you know, again, from a total outsider, seems to be kind of a hip thing to do, mm-hmm. uh, to either pursue professionally or try or mm-hmm. be on top of or follow that community. Mm-hmm. So... I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? I think you're right. And mm-hmm. I think some of that is like in the same way that you just mentioned, like Instagram as part of the rise of illustration being mm-hmm. popular, like Twitter, sure. YouTube, Vine, all of that stuff, I think precipitates like people using it for funny shit. Sure. More importantly, bite-sized funny yeah, shit. Right? <laughs> yeah, right? Like yeah, things yeah. that are yeah. super digestible, sure. like getting a joke off in 140 characters sure. or like making a funny video that's like nine seconds or whatever, like... I mean, do I think that brevity is the heart of comedy? No. But do I think that it's a valuable skill? Mm -hmm. Yes. And I'm sure you could say the same Mm -hmm. for illustration. Mm -hmm. It's good to have things that are... Impactful. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, the point of it is is there's more to explore there, I think. Sure, sure. One great thing is that there has been a up in diversity in illustration, which was used yeah. to be very, very male-dominated. Same in very, comedy. Yeah, yeah. yeah very um, white. Yeah. <laughs> and that seems to be, as it's become more accessible, it's finally becoming more diverse. Yeah. Um, do you worry about the inherent trendiness of the thing eventually coming to bite itself in the ass at some point? Or is that something you think about? I don't know. Like, we're on a podcast right now, so it's you true. tell me. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> um, I don't know if I can bother myself with that. Like, yeah. I feel like for I guess me, that's true. It's yeah. not the point. If you're too invested in it, there's no point in hedging your bets. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, who knows? It's just, it's. I guess there's no conclusion to be made. It's just interesting to be in the eye of it. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting to, you know... Um, have been there before and then now we're in the middle and it's like, or maybe we're on that tail. I have no, I don't know. But then I fully expect to be there on the other side of it too. I just don't know what that looks like. Yeah. I mean, and that's sort of the fun of it, right? Keeps you on your toes. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) And I mean, I think that's the like sort of beautiful thing about the internet and like it's constantly evolving and then allows you to watch it constantly evolve mm-hmm. in a way that I don't necessarily think was possible before. Yeah, and I think, like, actually, uh, we were talking about the perceived security of mm-hmm. a job job. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I had to, like, push myself into this seemingly insecure profession. Mm-hmm. But in a way, I think it just forced me to be uh, – adopt like a flexibility that mm-hmm. I'm not inherently comfortable with. That's not my personality. Yeah. <laughs> and already in my career, you've seen like these economic, mm-hmm. you know, ups and downs where yeah. it's like after 9-11, it was like the economy was, sh- especially for magazines and, you know, media and stuff, it was just like went down so much and then it went up and then it went down again. It was scary after like 2008. Yeah. Like all of my clients, like, oh, that magazine's done, that magazine's yeah. done rates cut everything and I was kind of freaking and then it went up again so it's like you're already seeing these like sort of rise and fall fortunes and yeah. uh, that flexibility feels like a blessing now to have not be so terrified yeah you know of yeah. um the slings and arrows I guess 
And I mean, that's so fascinating in like a 13 year career that you would Oh see. my God, yeah. Like, you know what I mean? I feel like when they teach it to you in school, you're like, oh shit, the Great Depression. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. We got another hundred years before that yeah. shit hits. And you're like, no, it's literally like every couple of years, some <laughs> insane shit happens yeah. with the world market. And it's it's only going to get worse the yeah. more like global politics. I don't even know. I'm not going to, I'm going to stop talking about this because I'm an idiot. Well, um. what, well, what I think about is how our generation is going to, I think we've, kind of come of age and started our working careers, like our working lives yeah. in a very unstable time. Oh, yeah. I graduated from university in 2008. Sure. And it's like, uh, what does that do? You know what I mean? Yeah. To your idea of money, investing, family, mm-hmm. career, all these things, yeah. you know, I think, it, I think it's much more um, the unpredictability has forced us to be more cagey. I don't know. Yeah. Or nimble or... I don't know. Well, you also can't rely on, like, advice from your parents Oh, God, anymore, no. Oh, right? my God. No, no, Yeah, totally. And I feel like I only clued into that, like, embarrassingly recently. Yeah. It's like you cannot take advice from, like, a 60-year-old yeah. of what retirement is, what investing is, what real estate, all that stuff. Because, like, you know, God love them. They have no idea. <laughs> they just grew up in a different time. Yeah. You know I mean? Like, we're... The markets were different. Um, there was a, d- a different idea of stability, mm-hmm. like different idea of marriage. Yeah. Even. You know what I mean? It's just like completely different things. So it requires more education on our part and looking at what we, yeah. our conditions are. But um, yeah, and it's a little not more like... involved than just taking advice from other people. Yeah, or being like, Dad. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Dad, I got a question about this house I'm going to buy. Like, I don't, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. never, I'm never... Am I ever going to own a home? Probably not. Like, <laughs> who are we kidding? I know, I know. You know it's funny because I actually did own an apartment in New York. and um, Oh, my God, you're a baller. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't live there very long. Yeah. But uh, even though that was a big accomplishment, mm-hmm. like, it saved up money and, like, it was, like, a big thing to move. And then you've, you've accomplished this New York dream and yeah. you actually literally own a piece of New York now. I found it really burdensome. Yeah. It's sort of like freaky. And, and I'm suddenly, like stressed out just hearing about this. <laughs> yeah. It was like, I mean, it was one of the most difficult things to sort of like make happen. Mm-hmm. Like it was just like not difficult, just stressful. Yeah. And then it suddenly it was like, uh, you're responsible for everything. Yeah. And like you view gentrification differently. Yeah. You view like so many things differently once you are a property owner. Yeah. And I'm not sure I enjoyed it, (laughs) to be perfectly honest. Sometimes I'm like, God, what am I doing, like, renting? And I've been renting for a Mm -hmm. decade or more, you Mm -hmm. know what I mean? But it's like... um, Our idea of debt is really scary right now, too, where it's like, oh, it's nothing. Take a $500,000 debt. And it's just like... Yeah. I don't know what the repercussions. I don't know that we. I don't know that we know the repercussions of that yet. Yeah. And so, again, it's just not the same thing as when our parents were younger. Yeah. And they were in that position. Um. Thank you for coming. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thanks for me. coming this through. This was really great. Yeah. Yeah. It was really nice. Yeah. Very I'm, nice to meet you. I don't know why I'm always nervous to talk to people, even though I could talk to a brick wall. Well, you. But you are expected to kind of deeply engage with a stranger yeah within like you know a minute of meeting them so yeah and i <laughs> mean something I, inherently a little bit daunting. yeah like you kind of be a a little bit off if you were totally comfortable yeah yeah i think that's true like i think people would be really put off if i was like i don't know why did i just shimmy my shoulders Who knows? sure sure um but yeah so it's awesome meeting you yeah it was really nice to meet you too yeah i'm sure we'll see each other i'll see you around yeah <laughs> 
Bye. Thanks again to the rad as hell Jillian Tamaki for coming through. Cavern of Secrets is, as per usual, brought to you by Hazlitt. It's hosted by me, Lauren Mitchell. Our theme music was made by the delightful Bianca Giulione. It's produced by my dear friend, Benjamin Idemsetti. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud. Just search for Cavern of Secrets, because that is the name of this podcast, just to reiterate. You can also find us on our website, www.cavernofsecrets.com You can and should follow us on Twitter. We are at Cavern of Secrets. Oh, and one more thing. Please, if you love us at all, rate us on iTunes. Uh, We were recently named new and noteworthy on there thanks to you and your love. So keep it coming because I'm desperately in need of validation. I'm Laura Mitchell. Again, thank you so much for listening. Thank you.